Welcome to Woodlands Church. We are so glad you're here. Why don't you just greet three or four people around you and say, you look great today. Okay, that's good enough. You guys are friendly enough. Hey, we do want to welcome you. If you're a guest with us, we just want you to relax and be our guest. We're so grateful that you're here. You guys can be seated and just, um, just know this. We love you. We want to get to know you. And you can go to the Woodlands Church app and you can get the sermon notes for today and all kinds of information. And there's a connect card that you can fill out because we want to serve you. And we want to serve you better in our community and this world. Well, now we're at the time of our service where we give back to God. And we give because we love him. It's part of our worship. And if you're a first-time guest, you don't have to feel obligated to give. If you want to participate, then that would be wonderful. But it's no pressure. We give because we want to at Woodland Church. Our regular attenders are grateful to be givers. There was a time when Jesus was preaching in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and everyone was amazed. They said, who is this guy? I mean, his teaching is so powerful. And then someone said, oh, that's Jesus. He grew up down the street from me. His kids, or uh, my kids, played with him when he was a little boy. That's Mary and Joseph's son. Remember, he worked with his dad in the carpenter shop. In fact, we have a table in our kitchen that he helped build. I mean, that's Jesus. He's no big deal. And they didn't honor him. And Jesus said, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. And then later in the passage, it says, he wasn't able to do many miracles because they dishonored him. Now, the interesting thing to me is, it doesn't say he chose not to do many miracles or he wouldn't do many miracles, but it says he couldn't do many miracles because they dishonored him. For you see, Jesus, God himself, when he came upon this earth, chose to put himself under God's honor system where when you dishonor God, it blocks God's blessings in your life. When you honor God, it unlocks God's blessings in your life. And Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first and best of all you make, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so when you honor God with your voice, with your mind, and Bible study, and teaching, and, and then with your wealth, with your giving, then it unlocks the blessings of God in your life, and he meets your needs. When we dishonor God and don't put him first, then it blocks the blessings that God wants to give us in our lives. And so our offering time is a time to honor God, to let him know that he's first place, and also to be grateful for all the ministries and missions of Woodland Church that reach out in this area to hurting people and bring the hope of Jesus Christ and reach out all over the world. And speaking of the world today, it's really important that we pray for the Christians in Ukraine today and uh, so many that are in danger and to pray for God to watch over them and protect them and strengthen them. There are so many Christ followers there in that nation. And then also pray for the persecuted Christians all over the world because there's so many countries that can't, Christians can't come and worship like we're doing right now because it's against the law. And uh, more Christians are being persecuted and martyred for their faith today than any other time in human history. Did you realize that? So I want us to bow together and pray because, folks, we live in crazy times. We live in uncertain times when everything is being shaken, but yet there is a rock that is solid. The rock of age is Jesus Christ that you can fling yourself upon and he will hold you. And even though it looks like everything is in chaos and out of control, there's still one in control, Jesus Christ. And it's all moving to the crescendo of all history. His story, God is still in control. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give back to you because we love you, and we love what you're doing through the ministries and missions of Woodlands Church. And we know, Lord, the answer, Lord, the only answer to heal this sin-sick and broken world is you, Jesus Christ. And so we lift you up. We honor you through our words. We honor you through our actions. We honor you through our giving. We honor you with our wealth and with the things that you've given us. So today, we just give back to you 
Lord, some of what you've given us, it all comes from you. And we thank you for the opportunity, Lord. We pray you'd bless these gifts, multiply them for your glory. And we thank you, Lord, for how you're working in spite of all the pain in the world today. And we pray for all of our Christian brothers and sisters in Ukraine that you would just hold them up and strengthen them and give them peace and protection. We pray, Lord Jesus, for all the Christ followers around the world who are being persecuted today, unable to worship freely. We pray that you would just hold them strong. And Lord, we thank you that you have a purpose and a plan that cannot be thwarted. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, at this time, our ushers are going to come and take the offering, and you can give in the offering basket, but you can also give if you're worshiping with us online, wc.org slash give. And you can set up recurrent giving right there and put God first and honor him. Or you can take out your smartphone right now, right in church if you're at one of our campuses or at home, wherever you are, just as long as you're not driving. And you can text the word GIVEWC, one word, to 77977. And then you'll be on our Push Pay app. You can set up recurrent giving from there. It's not how you give. It's just making sure it's a priority to give, to put God first and to honor him. Hey, this Wednesday night is Ash Wednesday. And we have an Ash Wednesday service. It's going to be in the chapel for the adults, and for Wednesday night, the student ministry will be right in here in the auditorium like they are every Wednesday night, have an amazing time, and so we'll be over there in the chapel, and it's gonna be a very moving, powerful service. This is Ash Wednesday. We can prepare for the Lenten season and prepare for Easter and Resurrection weekend, but um, we encourage you to come 7 p.m. Wednesday night to our Ash Wednesday service. It's really moving, it's really powerful. It'll be in the chapel, great worship and teaching, um, take communion. It's going to be really an amazing service, one that will prepare your heart. So don't miss it, 7 p.m. in the chapel. Students will be right in here in the auditorium. Mahalia Jackson was one of the greatest gospel singers of all time, one of the greatest singers of all time. And she was the granddaughter of slaves, born and raised in poverty in New Orleans. But she placed her faith in Jesus Christ at an early age, and she found a home in the church leading to a lifelong dedication and singular purpose to deliver God's word through song. But the time that she was used and used her voice most effectively, it was heard by only one man in particular. It was on that August day in 1963 at the March on Washington that Jackson came up to the podium to sing one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s favorite spirituals. And then after the song, Dr. King got up to speak from his prepared notes. But suddenly, midway through the speech, Jackson shouted, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. And King was startled at first, and he hesitated and went off script and spoke from his heart something that he had shared at small gatherings before. I have a dream. It was a dream of Dr. King's vision of racial equality under God. And of course, it was one of the most powerful speeches in history, and it changed history. And we as Christ followers should use our gifts to change history for Jesus Christ by telling his story because history is his story. And what we wanna do right now is we're gonna sing uh, one of the oldest spirituals that came right out of African-American soul right up to today. Came out of the days of slavery and it's so powerful. It was first recorded in 1909 by Fisk University Jubilee Singers, and it was really one of the first recordings of any spiritual. And so would you stand, and we're going to sing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, but just hear this 1909 recording of one of the first gospel songs. He is for you. He is for you. Do you know that today? Let's pray together and thank him that he is for us. And we pray for God's blessing all over you today. Lord God, we thank you for your love for us. We just pray in the next few moments that you would speak to our hearts. We know that you're for us. Lord, we know that you have a plan that can never be stopped. And you have a personal and powerful plan for each and every one of us. And I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would just in the next few moments, speak 
through your word that's life changing. Lord, I can't change one life, but you can change all of us here through your word. And as we look at your word and, and lift up your name and your word above all things, Lord, just really capture our hearts, really heal us at our deepest wounds and meet us right where we are. I pray for everyone who's worshiping with us online, wherever they are, that you would just let them know that you're right there with them and speak to them, Lord, in such a way in their hearts that they'll never be the same again. Everyone here in the woodlands at Atascacita, at all of our places of worship and all of our homes, Lord, just bless and strengthen. And I pray that those who are going through the toughest times of their life right now, that you would just let them know that you're right there and they will get through it with your power. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Have you ever been blindsided by devastating news that you just never saw coming? I mean, just the day before, everything's sunny and smooth, but then the next day, everything comes crashing down in a crushing moment. You go to bed one night and everything's going great. You wake up the next day and your whole world is turned upside down. Maybe you're blindsided by a phone call that knocks you to your knees and leaves you in shock. Or you're blindsided by betrayal and it feels like a gut punch that you just never could be prepared for. Or maybe you get the test results and everything goes numb and the room starts to spin and someone is speaking words that would make sense if they were about someone else, but they're about you. Have you ever been blindsided? I think that this church-wide challenge that we're in is all about how to keep believing when you're blindsided. How to really keep standing when everything around you has been shaken. How to have certainty in a very uncertain world. That's what this challenge is all about, how to find hope when life gets hard. And the really powerful thing is, we started so many new life groups, and we want everyone at Willen Church to be in a life group because this is a church of life groups. We meet on the weekends, and it's wonderful to connect in worship and the more, the more powerful it is when we worship, but you also need a small group. You need a life group of eight or nine people around you that don't have it all together, but they're going the right direction. And that's what the life groups are all about. And so once a week for a couple hours, our life groups meet in homes and have refreshments and, and fun and fellowship. And then you watch the new curriculum. It's about 10 minutes and you talk about it, maybe pray together encourage each other because we need each other. And all of our existing life groups and all of our new life groups, we're giving each and every person the book free, The Gift of One Day, How to Find Hope When Life Gets Hard, that Chris and I wrote. So if you're not in a life group yet, you can get signed up online or go around in the foyer. We'll get you connected, get you signed up. We want everyone to be in life groups at Woodlands Church. And the book is really about how God got our son Josh and his wife Kelly through the hardest day of their lives and our whole family through the most difficult time in our lives. When Kelly's pregnancy reached the 20-week mark, she and Josh went in for their ultrasound. And I don't know if you've seen any of these ultrasounds recently, but the technology has come so far that, I mean, you can see every finger and toe and just amazing. You can see this beautiful picture of the little baby in the womb. And, and it's so exciting. And so Josh and Kelly were over the moon when they went into that visit. But when they left, they were on their knees because the doctor, as compassionately as possible, told them that Jude's kidneys weren't developing right and that would mean he wouldn't have lungs that were strong enough. And she said as, with as much compassion as she could that there was no hope whatsoever. They were blindsided. Within a matter of minutes, Josh and Kelly went from their lives being great to being told that their son wouldn't make it. And I know everyone's pain is different and we can't compare pain and hurt and heartache and grief. They're all different levels and I would never attempt to say that our pain is like your pain or your pain is like our pain, but I believe every one of us, just about every one of us, know what it means to be blindsided. That jolt out of the blue that turns your world upside down. So how do you keep standing when everything around you is shaken? How do you keep believing when you're blindsided? 
Well, we're going to look at a time in the Old Testament when Elisha the prophet, his servant, gets blindsided by an enemy army that completely surrounds them. He goes to bed one night and everything's great. He wakes up the next morning and sees that he's been blindsided by thousands upon thousands of soldiers surrounding their house ready to attack. And the servant never saw it coming. The king of Aram was sending raiding parties into Israel and he was doing these surprise attacks, trying to blindside them different times in different cities, sending in these raiding parties to surprise them. The problem was Israel was never surprised. Those surprise attacks were never a surprise to Israel because Elisha was so in tune with God that God would tell him exactly where the attack was going to take place from the enemy, and then he would tell the king of Israel, get ready at this time and in this place. And so the Israelite army was always ready for those attacks. And the king of Aram thought there must be a traitor, a spy in my inner circle. How do they know? They're never surprised. But then one of his officers said, no king, it's this prophet. This prophet in Israel named Elisha, and he's so in tune with God that he knows the very words that you speak in your bedroom. Well, the king was infuriated. He said, we gotta take this man out. And so he said, where does he live? And they found he lived in a little village of Dothan. And so the king sends an entire army of thousands to take out one man of God. And so they go by night and they surround at night Elisha and his servant in their little house, thousands of soldiers waiting for dawn to attack. Have you ever felt surrounded I mean, maybe today you feel surrounded by an army of anxiety that's attacking your peace of mind. Or maybe you feel surrounded by problems and pain that are just bombarding your emotions and making you feel like nothing is certain. Or maybe you're just being attacked by an army of worry. It's just become a war of worry that's wearing you out. You just feel so worn out because everywhere you turn, whether it's your newsfeed or at the office or at home, there's just too much to be worried about, and it's just wearing you out. We've all felt surrounded at times, so what do you do when you feel surrounded? What do you do when you're blindsided? Well, let's look at it. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 14, would you stand in honor of God's word? And it says, then he, that's the king of Aram, sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up, and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You can be seated. Elisha's servant's name was Gehazi. And can you just imagine when Gehazi woke up at dawn and he walks outside in his pajamas and he's yawning and stretching because he just wants to see what the weather is like that day and he's wiping the sleep from his eyes and he looks up and he sees that they're blindsided by an army of overwhelming force and there's no way out and instantly he's blindsided by overwhelming fear and by the way whenever you're filled with overwhelming fear you can't help that I and mean, that's a, a god-given emotion god gave that to us as human beings to, to help us out to help us realize when there's danger but sometimes it's overactive and Sometimes it's really appropriate, but either way, you can't help it when you're filled with fear. That emotion just hits, and you're flooded with it. It's an overwhelming force of fear that hits you. But then you get a choice. You see, you can't choose when you're filled with fear, but that's just an emotion. But then you can choose to let the fear paralyze you or to act in fear or act in faith. You can choose to... In spite of your feelings of fear, choose to step in faith, act in faith, whether you feel it or not. 
Well, Gehazi is filled with fear. He runs back into the house and he says, Elisha, you, it's awful. We're surrounded by a, an army. I mean, it's thousands. There's no way out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha just calmly, I just imagine him calmly sipping his coffee, reading the paper. And he looks up and he says, oh, don't worry about it. Don't you realize there are a lot more on our side than on their side? We got them way outnumbered. And I'm sure Gehazi is thinking, what? I mean, you may be a great man of God, but you're terrible at math, man. I mean, there are thousands against two. And I'm not sure you're going to fight, so it's probably a thousand against one. We're outnumbered. But then Elisha prays, and he says, God, open his eyes so he can see. And immediately Gehazi's eyes are opened, and he looks, and he sees an army of thousands upon thousands of angels riding chariots of fire with flaming swords, protecting the house, protecting them from the enemy army because God had them outnumbered the whole time. And here's the point. When you feel overwhelmed, when you get blindsided, ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to open your eyes. Now, Gehazi was asking, what do we do? What do we do? And here's what's so interesting. In that day, the prophet of God was God's mouthpiece. So the prophets were God's mouthpiece. And, and so if you wanted to talk to God, you would go through a prophet because the prophet was in tune with God. God would tell the prophet what to say. And now, now we go directly to God through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. We don't have to go through people, but we want others to pray for us. And so we go directly to God, but you'd go to the prophet. So Gehazi, when he said, what do we do? What do I do? What do I do? He was really praying that prayer to God, saying, what am I supposed to do? What are we going to do? You know, it's an impossible situation. It's a total surprise. What are we going to do? And that's a good prayer. I mean, many times when I'm going through pain and problems have hit me and I've been blindsided, it's like, God, what do I do? What, I've been blindsided. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's a good prayer to pray. What do I do next? I don't know what to do. But the first and most important prayer that you can pray when you're blindsided is, God, open my eyes so I can really see. God, open my spiritual eyes so I can see a little bit more of your perspective, so that I can see your goodness in the middle of all this bad, so that I can see your power, so I can see what you're doing here and there, though I don't understand it. Give me eyes that I can see because I admit I can't see clearly. See, faith is not denying the reality you can see. Faith is just admitting there's a lot of reality you can't see. But God can, and ask God to open your eyes so you can see more of what God is doing. You can have 20-20 vision physically, but be completely blind spiritually. A lot of Christ followers have 20-20 vision physically, but they're just totally blind spiritually. And so we've got to pray, God, open my eyes. And I have to admit that most of the time, we as Christ followers have really bad spiritual eyesight. We need spiritual LASIK surgery to help us out because when you can't truly see, when your spiritual eyes have not been opened, then all you can see is the pain of the problem right in front of you. And then you stumble, all the stumble over all the stuff you can't see. And so we need God to open our eyes so that we can see what's really going on, what God is doing behind the scenes and under the surface. Now, I have to admit, too, that usually when I go to God and say, open my eyes, God, what I'm really saying is, God, open my eyes as to why you're allowing this. God, why? I don't get it. Why would you allow this in my life? I mean, you're supposed to be a good God. God, why would you allow this pain, this problem, this hurt? Why did, why did you do this, God? Why are you allowing this, God? Why, why, why? I wanna know why. Usually when I pray, God, open my eyes, it's God, open my eyes as to why you're allowing this. I don't get it. But what I found is most of the time, God doesn't answer me as to why. He doesn't open my eyes to see why, and I think that a lot of the whys we'll never know till we get to heaven. But God is right there, and he listens patiently. And it's okay to ask why, 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 and to yell and scream why. It's okay. God, God just patiently listens, and he's right there. But what God really wants to do is not open my eyes as to all the answers to why, but he wants to open my eyes 
to see what he's doing in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the hurt. He wants me to open my eyes to trust him. He wants me to open my eyes to that he's big enough to handle the situation. Not open my eyes, God, to tell me why you're doing everything that you're doing, because if you know all the reasons why, even if God told you all the reasons as to why he's allowed pain or problems into your life, it wouldn't comfort you any. The only thing that comforts us is his presence and his presence through other people. But there are a few things that God wants to open our eyes to. First, he wants to open my eyes to see that nothing surprises him. Nothing surprises God. When you're blindsided, it's so important to remember that God is not blindsided by anything. I will never forget when our family was blindsided by the news about Jude, and we were all crying and praying together. And then Josh spoke up, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, I'm so glad that nothing surprises God. You see, we're surprised by this news, but God wasn't surprised by it because he knew Jude's condition all along. And God is hurting with us. He was hurting before we're hurting. And God's the one writing Jude's story, so let's just let him write the story and trust him. And that was so powerful to me to see our son with those words in that time. Those were words I didn't have at that time. And maybe you've been blindsided by a a gut-wrenching, knock-to-your-knees moment that you never saw coming. Remember, no matter what unexpectedly smashes into your life, God's not blindsided by it. God's not surprised by it. God didn't cause it, but he's not blindsided by it. He was grieving for you before you even knew it. Nothing surprises God, and he's the one writing the story, and he's not finished yet. He's the one writing the story, so we just have to let him write the story even though we don't understand it when we're on a certain page in a certain chapter. It's just he's not finished with it yet. And when you're numb and feel like you don't have the strength to hold it together, he'll hold you. When you feel like everything's just falling apart, he'll hold you together because God was there, he is there, and he will be there. And he'll never leave you. In 2 Kings 6.15, it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So Elisha's servant goes to bed the night before, only to be blindsided in the morning. He's shocked to see that he's surrounded by this whole Aramean army that's ready to attack. But God is never surprised when you find yourself surrounded by the enemy. You see, the Aramean army wanted to surprise Elisha. And so they went through the night. They traveled through the night so that no one would see them. And no one saw them, but God did. God sees everything. God saw it all. God saw that the enemy was preparing an attack. God saw every move that the enemy made. And don't ever forget that our enemy, Satan, he's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful like our God is. And God sees what the enemy is up to before he attacks. God sees the enemy sneaking at night so no one will see him, but God sees him. And God's already won the victory when we stand in that victory. And maybe the enemy's attacking your marriage today. Maybe the enemy is attacking your family. He's attacking families more than ever and destroying families. Maybe the enemy is attacking at your workplace or attacking your heart, and your peace of mind. When the enemy attacks, God knows about it. He already knows about it. And he's the one that'll help you stand strong. When the enemy hits you where it hurts with the overwhelming force of fear and you never saw it coming, God did. And that's comforting to know because nothing can derail God's purpose. No power of hell, no scheme of Satan, no sin of man can destroy God's purpose for your life. God knows what the enemy's up to, and he's won the victory over the enemy. And I want you to see that nothing surprises God. It's really comforting to me to know that nothing surprises God. Now, I always ask God, if if it doesn't surprise you, then why do you do something about it? But he doesn't tell me why on that. But he knows that wouldn't bring me comfort anyway. And you know what's so interesting is that God has a protective hedge around you if you're a Christ follower. 
and nothing could come into that protective hedge. And what you don't realize is the enemy, the Bible says, is always shooting fiery arrows at you all the time. He wants to wound your heart because he's afraid of your heart. He's afraid of a heart that's totally sold out to God. There's nothing more powerful than that. And so he's always trying to attack you. And, it, and most of those arrows just bounce off that protective hedge that God has around you, but you don't know it. You don't know he saved you from that car wreck because you were five minutes late. You, you don't know all the times the enemy is attacking and it fails over and over and over and over and over again. But we do know those times where God opens up that protective hedge for a moment and an arrow comes through and it wounds us so deeply and we wonder, why God did you allow that? Why God did you allow that? God, it makes no sense, it hurts so deeply. But it's in those times that it is comforting to know that, that God was grieving before the arrow even hit. And I do know, though many times I can't feel it and won't even experience it completely till I get to heaven, that everything God allows into our lives is ultimately for his glory and our ultimate good. But I want you to see a second thing. God opened my eyes so I can see that nothing surprises you, but God opened my eyes so I can see that heart is not the opposite of good. Heart is not the opposite of good. It's so important because when you're blindsided, it's impossible sometimes to see God's goodness in, in the middle of all the awful things that are coming into your life. And you need God's eyes to see God's good. But God's good is all around you. God's good is working constantly in the middle of the worst situations that come into your life. But God, open my eyes so I can see your goodness even in this awful situation. In Nahum 1.7, it says, The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him. See, the Lord is good. He's a good God, but there's a lot of bad things in this world. There's a lot of bad, there's evil, there's injustice, there's pain, there's suffering, and sometimes God allows that into our lives, and I don't understand all the reasons as to why, and we won't understand it all until we get to the other side, but I can tell you this, God is a good God. And so I need to pray, God, you're a good God, I trust you. Open my eyes to see your goodness in the middle of all this. I wanna see this little Miracle of goodness, this miracle of goodness, this miracle of goodness, this miracle of goodness in the middle of it all because if deep down you don't think God is a good God and you don't think he is for you, you won't run to him. And if you deep down know that God is a good God and that God is for you, you will run to him even when you're mad at him, even when you're angry at him, you'll run to him. You may yell at him, you may scream at him, and God said, that's okay, I'm big enough to handle it. He just is there. That's the amazing thing about God. He's just there and he just, he's like the rock. He's the mountain when we're the wind and the wind of our emotions is blowing all over the place and, and we're blowing against him with anger and frustration and, and our grief and our tears and our pain blowing all over the place. He's the mountain that stays strong and says, you can cast your cares upon me. You can throw yourself on me. You can... Let every emotion out on me because I'm right here. Thank you for bringing it to me. That's the good God that we serve who loves us so much because if you deep down don't know, even when you don't feel it, that God is a good God, you'll run away from him. And that's devastating during hard times. Romans 8, 28 says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. A lot of people misquote that. When you're going through pain, some Christians will say, well, it's all good. It's all gonna work out in the end. That's what the Bible says. It's all good. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say it's all good. Some things are really bad. Cancer is not good. Losing your job's not good. Losing a loved one is not good. Divorce is not good. But yet, what it says is, God can take the worst. He can take all the bad and somehow bring good out of it for those who are called according to his purpose and love him, that he can take anything. In fact, that's why he took the worst act in all of human history, where God himself was crucified on a cross. And the disciples, it surprised them. Even though Jesus had told them about it over and over again, what was coming, it surprised them. It blindsided them, and it was the worst day in human history. It was the worst day of the disciples' lives. But yet, God took it and, and brought about the greatest thing in all of history, our salvation, 
our forgiveness, our ticket to heaven one day. If God can take a crucifixion and turn it into a resurrection, then he can take the worst day of your life and bring good out of it for his glory. And by the way, he specializes in resurrections. He can resurrect a dying marriage. He can resurrect dying hope, dying dreams. He is a God who resurrects. So I want to pray, God, open my eyes that this is really hard, but hard is not the opposite of good. Open my eyes to see your goodness. And Chris said last week that the miracle book is key. Just taking a notebook and, and during the hardest times of your life, just write down little things that God does. Look for little things that God does. God, thank you that in the middle of this pain, you brought this. You did this. I see you in this. I see this sign. I see that sign. And then I want to pray, God, open my eyes so I can see there's a hidden gift in every hurt. Boy, it's really hard when you're hurting to look past the hurt to see the gift. Matt Malone is a security analyst, and that's his real job, his full-time job, but he also has a part-time business that he started, dumpster diving. And in his part-time business of dumpster diving, he makes over $100,000 a year. Now you're paying attention. And he says, I can make a whole lot more if I did it full-time, but I like my real job too. And he says, I, I, I don't go to restaurant dumpsters. That's a waste of time. He said, I don't go to restaurant dumpsters. I go to big box stores like Home Depot and Office Max and Best Buy, and I go through their dumpsters, and I get out stuff, and I sell it on Amazon or eBay or Craigslist and other sites and make over $100,000 a year. Some of you are going to go to Home Depot right after this. <laughs> I just hope that the garbage truck comes and hauls you away while you're in there. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, can you believe that? He digs through the trash and he finds treasure. And sometimes that's what you have to do when you're hurt. You have to dig through a lot of garbage to find the gift that's hidden in the hurt. But it's worth it. And some of the greatest gifts are buried the deepest, deep beneath the pain, deep beneath the grief, deep beneath the overwhelming problem. You find some of the greatest gifts. Paul found one of the greatest gifts on one of the worst days of his life. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, he said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Paul said, hey, we were crushed. We were overwhelmed. We couldn't take another step. We were done. But he said, you know what came out of that? When we couldn't do any more ourselves, we turned to God and we learned to rely on God. And somehow, some way, he brought us through. We realized we weren't forsaken. We realized that he's the God that raises the dead. We realized that he turns crucifixions into resurrections. We realized that God was all we needed. But you don't know God is all you need until God is all you have. You see, I have to admit that every day, just about, I want to be this great Christian. You know, it's like, I'm going to be a great husband today. Yeah, I know God's word, and I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be a great husband today, and I'm just going to do everything I can for Chris unselfishly, just to love her the way Christ loved the church. Yeah, and then I'm going to be a great dad today. Yep, and be there for my kids. Going to be a great, great dad. I'm going to be a great granddad today really present. When I see my grandkids, I'm going to be a great pastor today. Man, what an amazing church. Woodland Church is. I'm going to be a great pastor. I'm going to make all the right decisions, and oh, I got a great team. We're all together, and I'm going to be a great leader today, and that's what I want to do, and I know what God's Word says, and then about nine o'clock, I just crash. I go, God, I can't do this. I'm too selfish to be a great husband to Chris. God, I can't do this. You know, I... I struggle to really get in and find out the deepest things going on in my kids' hearts. God, I, 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 God, I just want the grandkids to go back home. I'm tired. I'm old and tired. Can't do it. God, I, God, I have no clue what to do next in the church. You know, I've never pastored a church this large, so you'll have to give me wisdom and the next steps and the next steps and the next steps. And, but, but see, here's the thing. When I fall on my face, then I can get to my knees, and then I go, God, I need you to be what Chris needs. Love her through me. I need you to be what my kids need. I need you to be 
what this church needs because you have all wisdom and all strength and all power, but I'm weak, but you are strong, so I turn to you. And because I fall on my face, that helps me have the hidden gift that I know I can't do it. I'm dependent upon you for my every breath, but I realize it now. You see, Paul was saying, we're dependent on God for our every breath, for the next step, for the next heartbeat, but we only truly realized it when we couldn't take another breath, when we couldn't take another step. And we said, God, we give up to you. And then he took over and they found that God was all they needed because God was all they had. And today, if God is all you've got, you've got enough. The problem is, I don't realize that I need God for every breath until I get into one of those places that, where I can barely breathe and that I know it and I can turn to him and receive that hidden gift. You know, no one can really live the Christian life. You can't really live the Christian life. If you're a Christ follower, you can't live the Christian life. There's only one person who's ever lived the Christian life successfully, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, here's the good news. If you're a Christ follower, he lives inside you through his Holy Spirit, and he can live through you, and he can give you the strength that you need. He can love through you. He can be wisdom through you. He's the one that lives the Christian life through you, but when you try to do it on your own, you're gonna fail, but if you fail and you fall, get to your knees so he can lift you up. And remember, there's a hidden gift in every hurt. And then fourthly, I wanna pray, God, open my eyes to see that you surround me when I feel surrounded. Because a lot of times, like Gehazi, you look out and you see all the things coming against you. And they're real, faith is not denying the problem, it's just admitting God is greater than the problem. It's just recognizing and seeing that our God is greater than anything that comes against us. And so when we're surrounded, God surrounds us. In 2 Kings 6, 16, it says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. With God on your side, you're never outnumbered by your obstacles. God, you plus God equals a majority. One plus God equals a majority. And God says, I'm standing with you. I am for you. And I'm all you need. When you feel surrounded, you need to see that God surrounds you. And you're surrounded first by God's protection. In 2 Kings 6, 17, it says, And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God has sent a whole angel army to stand between Elisha and the enemy. And God has an angel army standing between you and the enemy. And he will go before you and beside you and behind you, and he will protect you. And nothing can come into that protective hedge unless he allows it. Ultimately, for his glory. And ultimately, for your good. But then I want you to see also there's God's presence. In Hebrews 13, 5, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Not for one moment will you be forsaken. You may feel forsaken. You may feel forgotten. You may feel faithless. But God will not forget you. God will not forsake you. And when you feel faithless, he'll still be faithful. He is the rock of ages. When everything is shaken, he remains strong and you can throw yourself upon him and he will hold you. He is solid in a shaky world. He is the only thing certain in an uncertain world that we can cling to and you'll be unshakable when you cling to him. He surrounds you with his presence. But I have to say there are many times in my life where I haven't felt his presence. I haven't felt him. It feels like he's forgotten me, that I'm forsaken. But what's amazing is when I look back several years later, I can see that God was closer than ever. And I look back and go, God, how did I get through that? And I think, God, you held me up through it all. You held me up through everything. You didn't forsake me. Not for one second was I forsaken. Boy, I sure felt it. And so don't trust your feelings. Trust God's word. God's word is true. He, he's never gonna leave you, never gonna forsake you. But then thirdly, he'll surround you with his people, God's people. This is really important because God uses his church. God uses the people of God to come around you, to hold you up. You need God and you need others to be there for you. In 2 Corinthians 1, 4, it says he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. I love that because he's talking about the church here. He's saying when you're going through hard times and God comes alongside you, he never wastes a hurt. 
He never wastes a teardrop. And he will, even though I don't understand why he allows it, I do know that he'll use it. He never wastes a hurt. And so he will use you to help someone else who's going through the same thing. Because here's the thing. All pain is different. And the only people that really get your pain are those who've been through what you've gone through, what you're going through. I mean, everyone else cares about you and loves you and gather around you and pray for you and, and, and say things to you that sometimes help and sometimes hurt. But I can tell you this. The one who gets you is God and someone else who's gone through it. That's who gets it. And that's the amazing thing about a large church like this. I guarantee you in a church this size, there's at least one other and probably two or 300 others who've been through the pain that you're going through right now. And they get it. And they can say, I know what you're going through. And it makes all the difference. And that's why it's so important to be connected to a church family where you can come alongside someone going through what you've been through and be an encouragement to them. And, and someone could come alongside you when you're going through it and say, hey, I'm here. I don't have all the answers, but I know what you're going through. I get it. That makes all the difference. You need to be connected to a church family. And there are a lot of great churches around here, and the Bible teaches us that it's really a sin against God not to be a member of a local church family. It's part of God's will for your life. The Christian life is not just about believing, but also about belonging. And so you need to connect to a church family and join a church family. And if you're here at Willand Church, it probably means God wants you to be here, that he wants you to connect here, that he needs you here, and that you need others who are here. Because if you're not going through hard times right now, there'll be hard times in the future. There'll be great times to celebrate and hard times to weep. But you need people with you who will laugh with you and cry with you and stand with you and be with you. God uses his people. Today's our membership class, and it's right after this service at one o'clock upstairs. We feed you. We keep taking care of your kids. There's no excuse. You don't have to fight the traffic out. It's a two-hour class, and you eat, and it goes by really fast, and that's how you join Willen's Church, and take a baby step, and that step will propel you to the next level. Folks, we live in very shaky times. We live in uncertain times, but God will give you the strength in uncertain times. There's no need, if you're a Christ follower, you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear death. You can fear a wasted life, but you get to go to heaven. And so you don't have to fear anything. And, and God is the rock of ages, and he's still in control when everything looks like it's out of control. But if you don't know Jesus, you ought to be really afraid because we live in really shaky times. I don't know what you're putting your faith in, what you're putting your trust in, but I guarantee you if it's not Jesus, it can change or be taken away, and it's shaky. It's not solid. But there is a solid rock, the rock of ages. And if you're a Christ follower, you don't have to be afraid of anything because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is still in control. He is still the one. And we see the things that go on top of the surface that are important. We see the news feeds and we see all that's going on and all the uncertainty in the world today and all the suffering in the world today. We see all of that that's going on in the news and that's on the surface and that's important stuff. But I want you to know, God is working just underneath the surface and history is his story. And it's all coming to that crescendo of all history when he will be ultimately glorified. And I'm telling you that he knows what he's doing and he is still in control. You know, we see like in China, over the last four or five years, Christians have been persecuted more than in a long time and churches have been destroyed and crosses knocked down. But did you know something? That's above the surface that you can see. And you can see that in the news feeds. But underneath the surface, more people are coming to Christ in China than ever before in the persecuted church. That's what God's up to. You see, we see that very hard, painful thing above the surface. But we need to be able to see what God's doing beneath the surface. Because God has a plan, and nobody can change God's ultimate plan. Isn't that good to know, Woodland Church? Do you believe that? Let's just thank him, and let's praise him, that he's still in control. He's the rock of ages. He will never be shaken, and you, as a Christ follower, can be unshakable with your faith and your anchor 
place deeply in him. But if you don't know Jesus, you ought to be scared. But let that push you to the greatest gift, the gift of salvation. Let's bow together and pray. And if you've never received Christ, you can get it settled right now. You can just pray this prayer silently to God. Maybe you're online. You can pray this prayer silently to God wherever you are. Dear Jesus Christ, I admit I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I know so many times I've tried to be God. But Lord, I'm tired of trying to play God. I'm not God and you are. So I ask you to come into my life through your Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out and give me the power and the strength to to do the things you want me to do and call me to do. I want you to be the Lord of my life from now on. And as best as I know how, I receive your free gift of salvation in heaven one day because I could never earn or deserve it, but I accept it by faith. And thank you for your free gift of heaven. Now help me grow in my faith. And Lord, I pray for those Christ followers today who are being attacked by an army of anxiety that's attacking their peace of mind, that you would just fill them with peace, peace that passes all understanding. I pray for those Christ followers who are being attacked by deep grief and pain that is just unbearable, that you, Lord, would bear them up as only you can, that you would just protect them and guide them and walk with them one step at a time. I pray, Lord, for those Christ followers who are just being attacked by problems and pain in their family and and disharmony and conflict that you would just bring healing as only you can, that you would bring restoration as only you can. And Lord, I pray for those going through the most difficult times that you would just let them know that you surround them with your protection, your presence, and with God's people, and you'll never let them down, for you cannot fail. Thank you, Lord, that we have an anchor that can never be uprooted because you are our anchor. You're our anchor that will hold strong. We thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with in church because something happens when we sing. This may be the most important time of the whole service because I want you to sing out your declaration in faith to him and maybe you feel like you've been forsaken. Maybe you can't feel God's presence today but here's the thing, when you sing, in spite of how you feel, the feelings come along. When you sing, even when you don't understand and it doesn't make sense what you're going through, God gives you a peace that passes understanding. And so that's what faith is. And when you sing, God inhabits the praises of his people and God works miracles in our lives. And we sing out of faith in him because he is our rock, he is our anchor, and he will never fail you because that's something he can't do. Let's sing, Wilden Church. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.